Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. starting off by saying happy Wednesday for once, which is actually a really hard habit to break because I usually publish these on Wednesdays, but today I am putting it out there for you on a Tuesday. I saw something really funny in the family thread that we have going in WhatsApp. Someone sent a little meme that said, for those who have lost track, today is Blur's Day, the 14th of April, April, May. (laughs) And I think that's a little bit how we all feel right now. Every day is just kind of blurring into the next day and they all feel very, very similar. Um, So anyway, I, this is completely, that was completely neither here nor there. I'm doing a bonus episode today and here is why I am doing the episode. First of all, I absolutely love recording podcasts. I wish I could do it every single day. And it's not just because I like hearing myself talk, mind you, but I mean, that is also really enjoyable. It's because I love talking to people and hearing their stories and what they have to offer others through their work and what they're struggling with. You get the idea. Um, And what I'm loving during this time is just hearing all of the different experiences that people are having and how they're handling the situation and what unique um, things that they're trying to overcome. So I also love sharing my weird quirky stories and inner revelations with you, my audience. You can ask anyone I went to high school with. I've been doing this for like 17 years. I just share these totally random off the wall stories. And I think it's because that's how I see the world and life. I just sort of see it as like one big story, which I'll get into another time. But I love that's that's why I keep doing this because I just love to hear all these different stories of people. Um, And secondly, and I also like to tell stories. And so secondly, I know that there is a lot of content out there right now for you to consume and take in. I know because it's happening to me. It all seems to just be coming at us like so hard and fast and digitally and virtually. And it's a little bit, it's a little crazy. Um, So I just want to take a minute to acknowledge that. And I'm trying to be careful of not being part of the noise, but also Recording a podcast is a little bit like being a writer. Like you can't not do it. So when it, when you when you feel like you have to. So from time to time, I will be offering a bonus episode like this one. And I promise not to fire hose you with them. But when you're, you know, when you're an artist, you can't not paint or draw. When you're a writer, you can't not write. And I just can't not do this. It's so fun. Um, so the choice is always yours as to whether or not you consume this or anything else out there right now. And please know that if you are choosing me, I so, so appreciate you. Okay, so enough about the reasons that I'm doing the bonus episode. Let's just get into the darn episode. I want to share with you about two dreams that I had recently. So the first one, I was in a driver's seat of a car and someone was sitting next to me. It's a little unclear who they are, someone I've never met. So I have no idea why he was even in my car in the first place. But anyway, you know, when you are backing up a car the way that we did before backup cams and you're like doing it the way that your driver's ed teacher definitely told you not to do by craning your neck around, your right arm is like cranked out of position on the passenger seat. That's what I was doing in my dream. 
But at the same time that I was doing that and having really bad posture, sorry, chiropractor, um, I was trying to go really, really fast. Now, here's a little weird fun fact about me. I love parallel parking and I'm actually pretty good at it unless I'm like in some really stressful situation. But I, and I am also very good at backing driving backwards down my driveway but only because I'm used to it in general I'm really bad at backing up I have like bad depth perception when it comes to driving and I know all of you thinking are like note to self never get in a car with Emily it's true I I really do have bad depth perception when I'm driving um and I just never know if that backup camera is like working right or accurate so Needless to say, I don't do a lot of um, driving backwards. So the dream was like terrifying because the Emily in my dream, she just kept trying to go faster and faster. And she was like swerving all over the road while going backwards as fast as you can. All right, now we're going to flash to the next scene. The person next to me had turned the car around. Like, lo and behold, Emily maybe tried driving the car forward. So now we're facing the right direction. And when I woke up... I was thinking about the dream and just like kind of laughing about it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it's kind of like an analogy for right now. This is like what we're going through is something so new and unprecedented that what we're experiencing, like we're just so not used to it. And here I am trying to get through it with like old methods. And I'm trying to furiously reverse and drive backwards to how things were and how, you know, I handle things. Um, But I think to get through this, We need to turn the car around and start going forward and giving ourselves and learning new tools, which is going to come into play in this podcast. Um, Once I explain my guest, you will know what I mean. So one more dream that I had, and hopefully this isn't driving you crazy. (laughs) That was a pun in case you couldn't tell. Um, So the next dream, I was in a car with my dear friend and we're headed to the airport and we were going to miss our flight because we were late which this was in the dream that was definitely the friend's fault because she was always late um the gps wasn't working and while i was like frantically sitting there trying to figure it out i told her to pull over and rather than pull over she decided to stop at a green light for like a really really long time the light turned yellow and then the light turned red and then the light turned green and we still didn't go. So we're, we've sat there through at least two green light cycles. And of course, as dream luck would have it, we got pulled over by my husband's friend's dad, who in the dream scenario was a cop, which I don't think he actually is a cop. Um, anyway, I digress. This is a little bit like another thing that I feel like I'm experiencing right now. And maybe you can identify with it. There is a lot happening, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. There is a lot of content coming at us right now, a lot to read, a lot to take in, a lot to be a part of, a lot of opportunities, virtual and digital. And I feel like there is this rush for me to get somewhere. And like sometimes I even have like a fear of missing out if I don't watch the next video or listen to the next podcast. And By not having that GPS working, not knowing the exact direction, I feel like I'm going to miss something. But what if the first step is just not sitting still at the green light and putting one foot in front of the other and taking it step by step, taking it day by day? Isn't that like how we should have always been doing things? Um, We've all seen right now that, you know, every day may look remarkably like Groundhog Day and 
despite that, the tone and situation actually is changing like rather rapidly. So we're seeing big changes week to week while every day may feel very, very similar. And that might, that might be different for you. And I actually, if it is different, I want to hear about the things I want to hear about what day-to-day life is feeling like and looking like for people. So please, please share that with me. Um, but here's my, here's my takeaway. So if you're sitting, sitting, idling at the green light, trying to figure out that damned GPS, my advice is that you just, and it's the same to me as it is to you, push the gas pedal. If you have to push it gently at first, if you, if you want to do that, go ahead and do that, but just take a step and remember that the time is now. The time is right now. The time is always right now. So without further ado and any more weird peeks into my subconscious life, I'm going to present you with today's guest who actually is also a part of my subconscious life, which you'll understand in a minute. Marissa Iman is a best-selling author, musician, voice actor for children's audiobooks and podcasts, and motivational speaker with training in positive youth development. She's the owner of Marissa Iman LLC, which is an audio production and meditation company, hence the reason she's always in my sub, sub my subconscious. Um, she has created hundreds of meditations and meditative musical compositions for businesses and apps around the world, in addition to the ones on her own podcast, The Incondensed the incandescent podcast an unconventional meditation podcast i am a huge and faithful listener of her podcast um she has a really great one on helping you with sleep and honestly i put my headphones in start listening to that thing and i'm out in like five minutes in 2019 she wrote and published her international best-selling book super intense which is about her journey using mindfulness to live well with multiple mental illness diagnosis including bipolar type 1 and add with over 10 years experience in education and youth work she now shares her story and presents these mindfulness skills both to youth groups and adults give them the tools to live well with their emotions her work has been featured by various podcasts blogs and events including the healthy families project up journey and Clarity Connects. Hi, Marissa, and welcome to the show. How are you today? Hi, Emily. I'm I'm good. I'm a lot of emotions, but mostly good, and I'm super excited to be talking with you. So we're going to be talking about a lot of emotions today. <laughs> um, Marissa and I have been wanting to do a podcast together for a long time, or at least I've been wanting to do a podcast with her for a long time, and today we finally got it up and running, but our computers or the internet or something is acting like a big dweeb. So we're going to hope this goes okay. Um, Enough about that though. So Marissa, I read your bio in my little, what I call my pre-ramble, like a preamble, but I just ramble on and on. Um, So I want to start with you telling us your story and like, don't spare us any of the glitz, glory, beautiful, ugly, any of that, just get right into it. Sure. I think it's funny because when I was a baby, if my dad were to have to choose one word to describe me, he would have used the word intense and that's never changed. So since infancy, I have just been, um, well, emotionally intense. And it's the reason why as a child, I couldn't eat animals. You know, the thought of it broke my heart and when my dog, who'd been my best friend from from birth, he's 
he's what taught me how to walk. My parents are always like, we had no, like, we can't take any credit for you learning how to walk. You would just hold on to the dog all the time. And when the dog would walk, you'd follow him. And one day you just were doing it without holding on to him. And that's it. The dog taught you to walk. This dog was incredible. His name was BJ, my best friend. And I actually, he, he died in front of me when I was 10 years old. I, of old age, it was not anything, um, you know, tragic. He had a long life. He was 16. And when I watched him pass, I went scream. It was the morning before school. I went screaming onto the bus and then just stopped talking to people. Oh my God. <laughs> like a year. <laughs> um, I actually, a friend of mine now confided to me once that she didn't really know me then. And she told me that at that time she thought that I had special needs because I just wasn't, I wasn't really communicating with the outside world. I was so I was just so emotionally distraught. I would cry every single night. And I just remember getting advice from loved ones of like, you know, you just, you got to put yourself out there. You got to smile. You got to do things to help you get over this. You know, after months of me crying every single day, I understand that my loved ones were wanting me to branch out and do other things. And I however internalized the message that what I needed to do was just smile and act like everything's okay and that maybe it will be but even if it's not that people don't want to see you sad and so I just did that and I became a really good actress I would act like I was the happiest person in the world my senior superlative was friendliest and I I wore my spine, my smile like a badge of honor because I felt like I was doing everyone such a favor by not letting them know how depressed and anxious I was every single day. And meanwhile, if you look at my journals at the time, I had all make so much sense looking back how I was living with bipolar disorder undiagnosed because for several months at a time, I would be writing about how I was the worst person on the planet and I didn't deserve to live and I desperately also didn't want to live. But then there'd be a few months where it was like, life's amazing. I love everyone. Everyone loves me. And sometimes it would just be every other day would be one thing to the next. And I I never knew how I'd wake up either. I, I've always been a songwriter since I was a kid. And one of my songs from around like age 15 or something was called Spin Cycle System. It's still one of my favorites to play. But the opening lyric, actually this is second verse, it's on and off in a spin cycle system. I never know how I'll wake up. And that's just how I felt. I never knew it was like some days I'd wake up queen of the world. Some days I'd wake up feeling like I shouldn't be alive. And this continued and I continued to try to hide it, um, at least to most people. My closest friends, especially my best friend, you know, knew what was going on, but I still wasn't – I wasn't getting professional help. And then my sophomore year in college, it had kind of built up to a point where I just couldn't hide it anymore. And it had progressed to the point of mania, so I experienced my first – manic episode sophomore year of college I was 19 years old and I just stopped 
sleeping. I had so much energy. I could do anything. I learned how to code a website and I was <laughs> this is all within a two-week span of of time of me not sleeping and feeling like on any given day, this is more than feeling, this was actually a delusion that I had, that I was either a hero here to save the world or an evil villain sent to destroy the hero version of myself. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, jokes on the villain because we were never in the same room at the same time, but there there was other delusions too. I mean, I would listen to aliens talking to me through headphones that weren't plugged into anything. And I, I, I never really remembered people would talk about me being out at night. And I, I didn't really have the same sense of what was going on as what everyone else did and felt just so confused all the time. And like, I'm curious if people like asked you a lot of questions during this time, like were people like, what is wrong with you? Did anyone like reach out to try to help you? Well, a dear friend of mine called my parents <laughs> and uh, that's how I started to get help. So my friend called my parents and my parents came up and then they had me evaluated. And I don't know, to be honest, Emily, so much of my memory from this time in my life is just super foggy and the bits and pieces that are there are more of they they're kind of just stories of the time than actual vivid memories if that makes sense which is probably actually like a benefit to you in a way yeah. in a weird way you know what I mean no it's so true that's so true um shortly before that actually I had <laughs> so this is really interesting I I hope you don't mind. You said to share all the details. No, I, we, I, 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 this is an open space. Yeah. Um, so about six months before my first manic episode, I had been working at a summer camp and we're not supposed to bring the kids home after summer camp, but this was my second year working there. And one of the parents, I'd gotten really close to that family from working there. And she just needed someone to give her kids a ride home that night. And I, it, it had been a couple of years. It kind of just felt like a, I could make this one exception. I really loved the family, trusted them. And I, I said, yes. And all the kids wanted to ride in my car. I had a blue VW bug back then, Emily. You would have loved it. it oh had my a gosh. Sunflower. Did you have a flower on yeah. the dashboard? Yeah. Yes, a bright yellow sunflower. Fake, but still, it was so happy. And for some reason, it was a used car. It smelled like crayons or Play-Doh. And I think that just made the kids love it even more because they were like, what magical stuff do you have in here? It smells like toys. The Funmobile. <laughs> So everyone wanted a ride in there. So it was good that we had the rule that we couldn't give rides. But I I decided like I'd make this exception. I said yes. And last minute, I'm getting ready to, you know, I'm strapping the kids in. The mom pulls up, takes her kids home. So I'm driving home, listening to Ani DeFranco's song, What If No One's Watching. I was the super proud jerk atheist. Um one of those atheists that's rude about it and in your face and <laughs> how could you believe in anything? Meanwhile, the irony is the same argument that I was so uh, in favor of as an atheist is the same argument anyone can be in favor of, of believing in anything and it's that you can't prove it. <laughs> so it's like, right, it works both ways. And I just didn't see that. So I'm driving along and I'm singing this line, 
what if no one's watching? What if when we're dead, we are just dead? What if it's just us down here? What if God is just an idea someone put in our heads? And all of a sudden, I lose control of my car. Uh, I I didn't know why at the time, but apparently my left rear tire exploded to just smithereens. No one can find out why, like the, the police that came on the scene couldn't figure it out through the investigation. No one could figure it out. My tires had been recently checked. Everything was good. And so no one knows why this happens to this day. And on my right hand side is a cliff without a guardrail. There is now a guardrail there. If you are familiar with Winchester, New Hampshire, and listening to this, there's an area that it has a sharp curve. It now has a guardrail on the right-hand side. It used to not. And on the left-hand side, because it's a sharp curve, is a blind corner. So you don't know what's coming at you. And I'm just swerving. You know, I'm only 19. I don't really know Right. We're terrible drivers. Yeah. I was, yeah. I feel like I'm only just starting to become decent. And And so, Note to self, don't get in a car with Marissa. Oh my God, at the beginning of this, which you haven't even heard yet, I talk all about swerve. This is interesting. Keep going, keep going. The I listeners will understand. I cannot wait to hear. Okay. So uh, I don't know which way it's going to go. It's going left, it's going right. And after swerving back and forth, maybe five or six times, it swerves left head on into another car. We fly off into the woods. Uh, both cars are totaled. My back seats completely disconnected from the car it flew to the front I mean not all the way to the front like they flew to the front seats and the I get out of the car and we're in the middle of nowhere this is back when the types of phones you might have would be a blue brick Nokia that had the yeah. game sneak on it you know there's, yeah, I there's, love those yeah best phones ever my brother once left one out in the middle of winter and come spring when the snow melted it still turned on <laughs> leave an iphone out in the winter and see if that happens they don't make them like they used to kids <laughs> pretty sure the iphone even turns off like if it's too hot or too cold yeah. outside <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what happened i miss that nokia so needless to say i there was no service i couldn't reach anyone from where i am and i'm in the middle of a really rural area and I get out of my car. My only injury is whiplash and like a cut on my thumb, really nothing. And the guy who, who I had collided with, he is a firefighter. So he is so just strong and calm and everything I'm not. <laughs> Let me guess. And then you two sailed off into the sunset <laughs> and lived happily ever after. I mean, like he's probably, he's probably my dad's age. So he was, I think, just looking to me at like, as a a loving, supportive voice of reason, he says to me, I'm the one who ran into him, right? He's calming me. He goes, this is why they're called accidents. Everything's going to be okay. I love that. I know. It was amazing. So I had just been going through, I'd been singing this song about God not existing. And now I have two, three bizarre things happen. One, the, the mom took her kids home if she hadn't, those back seats flew to the front. Now I have a firefighter who I had collided with. So he already gets emergency scenes. So he is calm. He is keeping me calm. Now I'm in the middle of the woods. Don't know where I am really. Don't know people around the area. And a kid can see me yells, Marissa, come over here. We have a phone you can use. He recognized my car because he's friends with my brother. And I just had a recognizable car. (laughs) And so 
I had somewhere I could go make a phone call. Meanwhile, again, middle of nowhere, all of a sudden, a police officer drives up, starts directing traffic. And then people start pulling over and letting me know God is looking out for you. Strangers are telling me this. And it's the first time in my life that I'm really starting to think, hey, maybe I should be more open about my beliefs in life. (laughs) And I still had that openness, I guess, but I wasn't pursuing it with anything. And it wasn't until probably six years after the diagnosis that that openness started to play into my life. So after the diagnosis, well, before the diagnosis, let's talk about my mom, just my mom and dad coming, they pick me up, they get all this testing done and schizophrenia was on the table. I remember the fear in my dad's eyes when that was said, that I do remember vividly to this day, even though so much other stuff is totally blocked out of my memory. And then I was pretty much just released into my parents' custody instead of being hospitalized and was just super heavily uh, medicated. So I was really sedated basically for a while. And I was told I shouldn't go back to school for a year. I was told I'd have to be medicated for life. And meanwhile, in my head, I just kept feeling like there has to be another way. There has to be another way, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything. I just wanted to trust them. And so I'm following all their protocols. I'm following the medication system, which I mean, It was like eight different medications. They called it a cocktail, maybe to make it sound more fun. Now, how did you feel when you were doing that? Uh, Like a robot, like someone inside of a body being controlled by some unseen force. Yeah. So it was like I went from being at the mercy of my emotions to being at the mercy of pills. Yeah, that makes sense. But I was told that this was the better way. I was told this was the only way. Uh, If I had a nickel for every time, a doctor was like, if you go off your medications, you'll end up naked in the streets. Or not necessarily warning me that I would, but telling me a story about a patient they had that did. I I mean, I wouldn't be rich, but have like a dollar, which is significant. (laughs) I was told that a good amount of times. So I was really scared and I was trying my best to stay on this protocol And eventually it got to the point where it was just so difficult because if I missed anything, if I missed a a prescription within sometimes just even 20 minutes, I would feel withdrawal. I would feel one of them would cause cause these like brain zaps. I'd turn my head and it'd be like zzz, zzz. Others, I would just be so foggy. I couldn't function or focus. And at the time I was the director of – a youth program and I loved it so much but it was so much work and it required me to be totally on my a-game and if I missed anything I wasn't and I just decided that there has to be a better way there's got to be some in between I can't live either at the mercy of my emotions or at the mercy of the pills there's got to be something else and so I I started a spiritual practice And I don't actually tell people the story that way very often. In fact, my book hardly even, it's very clear. It's like for you, if you have a spiritual practice or if you're atheist, if you're, if you're using medications or you're not, 
in my book, Super Intense, how working with your emotional intensity makes you a total superhero. I share tools that are for people regardless of that. But to be honest with you, Emily, a huge part of when I started was me being like, okay, in that accident, I was being told something. I was shown that day that there is something more going on and I am open, willing, and ready to connect with that. And for me, where I started with was meditating. Should I pause it all? <laughs> um, so this is, okay, so first first off, I want to say one just like small observance that I had. Mm. Um, I think it's very interesting that your car even was so super like bright and peppy. And even that wow, was like yeah. kind of part of the the what you were putting out there that wasn't even how you were feeling. Um, but secondly, I am just noticing like how very appropriate this is for what we're facing right now, because it's like the old things. And I said this in the beginning, but like the old methods and the old tools just aren't working for us anymore mm. because this is like an entirely new landscape. It's an entirely new territory. So now let's start talking about the meditation a little bit. And, and I want really to know like what you do with it now to help people. Um, and, and I guess how you see it working into, how is it going to help somebody right now to take this time that is feeling uncertain and crazy and help them to work through it? Such a great question. I think for a lot of people, especially where I was at when I first started doing it, you might be thinking that you can't meditate, that you don't have the ability or the attention span. And I and thought- to your, to your, Sorry, to your other point of like, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, it's a spirit. It's, it's woo-woo to meditate, right, you know, like right. it's a spiritual thing to meditate. So, okay, sorry, keep going. No, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, that's why in my book, I make it super clear and I try to leave out spiritual- stuff compared to how it would be if I was just being completely where I'm at today <laughs> because I wrote the book for people who are where I was at when I was just like there's got to be a better way and didn't have any any beliefs yet didn't didn't know if it was even possible so I left that part really open to interpretation because you don't need to have a spiritual practice for meditation to benefit you. And when I first started, I didn't think I could meditate either. So what I would do is put on guided meditations and just go for walks. I'd walk my dog. I'd listen to meditations while just cleaning up around my house, while getting ready in the morning. I was listening to guided meditations while multitasking, which I've heard so many people say, don't do it. It's not good for you. But whatever, it helped me. And now I'm hearing from people because my podcast, Incandescent, is designed for you to listen to while you are, you could do it in stillness, or while you're walking, while you're washing the dishes, while you're gardening. Because so, you, yeah, you know, when I started using yours, I, I literally was like, I found it and I'm like, okay, I'm too busy to listen to this. So I would just like put it on while I was working and I was like, I probably shouldn't be doing this. But then you would just go ahead and say in there, you're like, you can do this while multitasking. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> and I think that's because we have this misconception that meditation is just totally clearing your head. But anytime you're allowing yourself to be more present really giving yourself the moment to feel yourself in your body, to notice your breath, 
if you are working, to really be present with the letters that you're looking at, the numbers that you're entering into your spreadsheet, whatever it is. And having a guided meditation playing while you're doing that, at least for me, and it sounds like for you and people who've given me feedback, it helps you be more in the moment with what you're doing. And while it is not the deepest form of meditation by any means, it's a bridge. It is better than doing nothing. And it helps you build the muscles. So it's kind of like, I'm, oh man, I probably would benefit from a personal trainer. I don't, I don't care about physical exercise. So for a long time too, back when we were talking about my early childhood and my teenage years, I was bulimic for 10 years. So for me, my my take on exercise, I would binge and purge by by making myself vomit. But sometimes I would binge and purge in other ways by like exercising too much or whatever. So for me, exercise for a really long time was just a form of punishing my body. It wasn't healthy. And now that I've I feel really separate from that. I just still have zero interest in it. <laughs> like it hasn't come back to being of interest to me. I love being in nature, going on hikes, taking my dog for walks, but you know, just like doing some so crazy. So I'm, I'm under the no, I'm under the belief that I think if you don't enjoy the exercise, then you're not going to stick to it. So I don't really see anything wrong with like I love yeah. hiking my dog with my dog, and that's what I consider a lot of my exercise most of the time. And then I use my torture device in my basement, which is my rowing machine. But that is not <laughs> that's not like fun, you know. Well, but that's the thing with the meditations, maybe for someone who's never done it, sitting in stillness for 20 minutes would be torture. Just like me going to a high intensity workout would feel like torture. Even if afterwards in both scenarios, you feel great afterwards, the, the during time you might not like, and then because of that, you might be like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. But if instead you have a bridge, you start to listen to guided meditation while you are washing the dishes or whatever it is for you, then it can start to help you feel more capable of sitting with yourself, of being present in your body without anything else going on. And maybe that bridge leads you to listening to the guided meditation just sitting on your couch. Then maybe it leads you to just sitting and focusing on your breath without anything else happening. It's it's just like, you know, if I start hiking more and then I start getting in more shape and then I decide I want to hike bigger mountains and then, you know, you just keep growing with whatever it is you're doing. So the concept that you can't meditate is the same as saying I can't run a marathon. You can do either although marathons are much more work than meditating, a terrible analogy, but (laughs) I would assume. Um, But it takes building the muscle. Mindfulness is a muscle. And if we just say, well, we can't do it and give up, then yeah, you won't be able to do it. But if you just keep giving yourself the gift of trying, then it can help you. And especially right now, if you're caught up in the news, you're caught up in what's happening all around us, which my goodness, I am. And I need my tools now more than I ever have. 
to be able to take a moment to just honor whatever is up for you. And my favorite form of meditating now that I was not capable of, Emily, when I first started, uh, is just sitting with myself, just sitting in stillness and letting myself feel whatever feelings I'm experiencing, breathing through it and loving myself through it and staying present with it instead of what I did all growing up, which was forcing the emotions away, acting like they weren't there. And meanwhile, they're just wounded parts of me wishing I would turn around and give them a hug. So I love this, all of this. Um, and I, I agree with you now, like you, re- it really has been the bridge for me personally oh, um, awesome. to, to help me get to like, now I don't listen to it while I'm doing something else. I would listen to it while I'm like sitting or lying down. Um, I was saying to my husband just last night, that I kind of feel like this is just like groundhog day right now. Mm. And I was like, it's, it's frustrating me. Like there's nothing that feels, um, particularly like special or set apart. And he said, he made a really great point. He said, the key to that is to be more present and being focused on this, like every moment, everything that you're feeling. And I was like, Oh, wow. Because yeah, when you really pull away in reality, Every day does feel and look a lot different, but I just was like wrapped up in this like blur. Um, so I really loved that. And and I think you're right. Like it's especially now, like sometimes the feelings are not fun. They are terrible. And But walking around like with this fake smile on your face isn't the way to go through them. Right. And maybe it is for 10 minutes, you know, right. like still um, because now my key thing is that I let myself feel what I feel and express it as it as it's happening which might mean like just the other day my boyfriend showed me a video of a really sweet pig and this this was just a darling happy pig living his best life with dogs or cats or something like he was living with other pets and and it was sweet you know he's living his best life but it made me think about all the animals out there that can't and I just cried for like 20 minutes and probably in the past, I wouldn't have let myself do that in in front of anyone, probably not even in my own privacy. I would just feel it and try to swallow it down. And it would make it so much worse over time. It would just keep bubbling and growing. And that's why I think by 19, it just exploded. But that said, even though now I let myself feel what I feel and I let myself express it as I need to express it, if I'm in public and I'm say I'm, you know, with a group of children or I'm with a group of friends that just they don't need that right now, I right. will do a temporary pause and I I will set it aside and I will come back to it in my meditation practice later in the day and I'll journal about it and I'll feel it and I'll let myself express it completely. So I do get the value in having that ability when it's just, it's not for the benefit of everyone around you in that moment, but that doesn't mean to just keep going on indefinitely. So I actually think that's a trait of leadership. Um, They say when a leader walks into the, when somebody that's not a leader walks into the room, 
they want everyone to feel good about them. And when somebody that is a leader walks into the room, they want everyone to feel good about themselves. So yeah, I think you're really, you're coming at it from totally the right place, like a place of, and I agree with you, we're not going to just walk around like posting (laughs) sad pictures of ourselves every time we have a bad moment. Um, But you know, one or two Chardonnay moments, letting people know that you're real is, is totally okay. Um, Yeah. So, okay. We covered so much and thank you so much for sharing openly. I, I'm going to dance around a little bit because I had some questions planned, but I think these ones are, are good to get into. So let's yeah. talk about what, um, what you're kind of, what you're offering right now to help people, because I know you have tons of resources and I really want people to get connected to them. You know, I'm like a super fan. So tell us where and what you're doing right now. And, and the second part of this question is I want to know like what things you're going through and feeling right now during the, I I hate, I don't even enjoy using the expression, but the the coronavirus. (laughs) I know I've been getting choked up over the word too. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to order a C word with lime ever again. I think I just don't like, um, I I label it so that if ever somebody were to hear this, like later down the road, they wouldn't be like, what are they talking about? But I don't even think it really needs a name because it's like, we all kind of just know. And I have a feeling that that, that at least for the next 10 years, we'll all just know. Yeah. Um, so uh, to start with what I'm feeling is so so much. So for me, this really hasn't changed my life in terms of the way my career looks. I work from home for the most part from my studio making meditations and voiceovers and music. And I live in a remote area where I pretty much live in quarantine <laughs> as it is because uh, my boyfriend usually uses my car because his is a total gas guzzler. And so most days I'm just in the woods and that hasn't changed. However, what has changed is knowing what's going on in the world around me, feeling the weight of it, feeling the feelings that are just out there. I mean, I could hear someone talk and feel their feelings. I don't even have to be near them to feel their feelings. I feel the weight of everything. This is why I couldn't watch that pig video because it made me feel for all the other animals that don't have that freedom. I feel everything so much. And so I have to honor that for myself. I've had to tell some clients, hey, I'm not doing your recordings today. I am taking a personal day. And no one at this time is even questioning that. And I think even if anyone ever did question that, that has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. You have every right to your personal time that you need, no matter what is going on, whether it is this situation we're going through or something else in your life. I think what's really interesting is that I mentioned I first started meditating back when I was working at that youth program. And previously I had been working approximately 80 hour weeks. I also was using work to run away from my, uh, from my emotions in my life. I was using all sorts of things. And when I started to take personal time, everyone around me was like, why didn't you do this sooner? 
for the most part, good loving people are going to want you to take your time to take care of yourself. So that's what I've I've been trying to do. And sometimes that looks like just breaking down and getting all my emotions out on paper. I have a really specific six-step journaling process that I recommend in my book. It's in chapter 10. I also have it for free, Emily, on my website. So I can make sure to give you the link. It can be in the show notes if you want. There's no opt-in. It's just there for people. Okay. And and then in addition to that, sometimes my dealing with it just looks like watching something hilarious and eating something unhealthy and taking that pause of doing something that feels good just to get myself out of it for a second and then coming back to it later. So I think having intentional breaks of of doing things that aren't the healthiest thing for you when you know it's temporary. People do this all the time, but they're not doing it intentionally. You know, they're having a glass of wine when they're feeling stressed, but I don't think they're doing it because they're like planning later on dealing with it. <laughs> they're just- I was just having this conversation with someone this morning. Yeah, yeah. you are so right. <laughs> but if you do it with the plan of looking at it later, that's a totally different story because sometimes we just need to step back for a second and maybe an episode of Seinfeld and potato chips is going to help me distance myself enough in the moment so that I can go sit down without it being so overwhelming that I get nothing done. Yep. And then in terms of the resources that I offer, so I mentioned that uh, that six-step journaling process. On my website, I have access to over 200 meditations for free, um, mostly with no opt-in because I get these days, it's like I have a million subscriptions to a million different emails and I can't keep up with any of them. And I want people to have access to what they need without it just being something lost in their inbox. But that said, I do have a program that I absolutely love and it is it is an opt-in program where every single Monday for an entire year, you get a meditation and a challenge designed to help you feel like you are your own superhero. Because when I had that delusion of being either a superhero or an evil villain, what sticks with me now is that I am my own hero. That wasn't a delusion. I am a hero to myself because I give myself the ability to feel my emotions, to live with intensity without it taking over me, instead using it to fuel my passions and my desires and to live an honest life. Yeah, I love that. And I would highly recommend, I love the way that you structure your meditations with like a theme. So literally, if you're feeling anything on a given day, you can just go find something that matches that feeling. And if you want, you can tailor it to exactly how you're feeling, like in any particular moment, you know? Thank so you. I really so glad you noticed that. That is my goal. I don't know if people notice that. Yeah, of course. I think, of course they do. So <laughs> thank you for sharing those. Um, and, and like Marissa said, they are free resources. So they're yours for the taking. And I would highly encourage you to, if, if you don't already have a meditation practice in place, this is a great place to start. But if you do have a meditation practice in place, which I did before I started these, and I still love this because it's just a different kind, you know, like yeah, I, I don't know how you explain it without someone experiencing it. And that's kind of the thing. That's a really good way to put it. It's experience meditation. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So I think we are going to wrap up for today, but I want to thank you so much for sharing and sharing so openly with us um, and just taking time out of your day to chat with me. Oh my gosh, Emily, I love chatting with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, you. Uh, we'll, we'll have to have a part two. So yeah, that sounds good. Cause I feel like I did most of the chatting here. <laughs> That's how it works. I don't, you know, I just like give you the space. So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you so much, Marissa and have a great day. You too, Emily. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.